Hi, everyone, and welcome to Behind the Numbers. My name is Dave Bookbinder, and welcome to the show where we dig deeper to understand what matters most in business. We're coming to you live from the RVN Television Studios, and today I am pleased to welcome Darshan Mehta, who's the founder of iResearch, and he's also the author of the book, Getting to AHA, Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts. Darshan, welcome to Behind the Numbers. Hey, thank you very much, David. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, it's our pleasure to have you here. I'd like to start by having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and iResearch. What do you guys do? Sure. iResearch is a platform to allow you to do online focus groups. People are probably familiar with doing online surveys, but this platform allows you to do online focus groups anytime, anywhere, in any language. And the benefit of this is it allows you to go deeper into getting what people are thinking and feeling, uh, which is called qualitative research. And it's often getting at the why and can give you context behind the numbers. Well, thanks for the cheap pop there on the behind the numbers thing. I'm sure we'll have some fun with that throughout the show. But when you talk about focus groups, you know, typically they're for some sort of a product or a service where a company is trying to get input from consumers and feedback from consumers. Is that what we're talking about here? Exactly. Yeah. And in fact, they can make your surveys uh, even better. Tell us how. Well, usually there's two methods to the research, right? Quantitative and qualitative. Um, but if you and I were to do some exploratory research, qualitative, doing focus groups, we would end up with better questions and better answer choices. For example, let's say you and I are working on women's fashion. You know, we might be able to make some guesses, but since we're not actually the right target market, if we had some focus groups with women, you and I, being males, could come up with actually a better survey and question, answer choices, if we did some exploratory research up front. Gotcha. So let's talk a little bit about the, the importance of these kinds of insights, Darshan. I mean, everybody, I think, gets it at a high level intuitively, but why don't you take us a little bit deeper into the why behind these things matter? Sure. If you don't mind, I'm going to actually talk about insights real quick, because often I think the term is misused. Sure. It's used often, but I think it's often used at the level of what people think of as facts or figures. And that's part of it, but that's not all of what insights are. Insights are actually much deeper. They're about facts, figures, trends, behaviors, kind of movements that are also happening in society. The best example I can give you is think of a comedian that you have enjoyed that takes something from over here and over here and puts it together in a way that makes you say, oh, my God, that's so true. I never thought of it that way. That is an aha moment. And an aha moment is a true insight because you're actually dug deep enough and you got to a core motivator or trigger that actually impacts behavior. Got it. So let's talk about the connection between the insights and, and the brand. How do they get connected to create that aha? Well, in today's hyper-competitive environment, you're often competing with not only the person down the street, but maybe across the street or around the world. And the way to stay ahead and be competitive is you have to basically do three things on an ongoing basis. One is to differentiate, two is to innovate, and three is to build loyalty. And the way to do all three of those things is actually to get a deeper understanding of your consumers, what are their pains, what are the trigger points, what are the things that really motivate them to do something or not do something. And that is best uh, served by doing qualitative research. You can then quantify it. Once you have certain behaviors you think you want to quantify, then you can do that with a survey or numbers and really uh, then extrapolate that to a population. But 
the the key to really getting into what people's subconscious is is really to have conversations and the more you dig deeper you will tap into those core insights yeah let's explore a little bit about what you just said there about the the unconscious subconscious rather um, you know, subconscious uh, behaviors are, you know, the, the pre-wired operating system when you get through your day, right, when you're showering, brushing your teeth, driving to work, etc. That's the subconscious just doing what it normally does. But talk to us about how the subconscious influences you know, purchase decisions, if you will, and how you're using branding to tap into that. We as humans are very sophisticated, complex creatures, um, and a big part of our decision-making is actually made by our subconscious. In fact, 95% of our decisions are influenced by our subconscious. Even though you might think it's a rational consumer, rational mind to do the research and everything, at the end of the day, a lot of it is driven by our subconscious. For example, you and I are talking now, but our brain is processing many factors, what's going around, the, the tone, the voice, the pace, all these things make impressions. And that's what's true when consumers are making decisions. And the reason focus groups are so effective is you're trying to recreate a conversation, but go deeper. And the deeper you go, you're actually getting people to articulate something they think and feel, which they may have never really articulated because they never got to that level of depth on that particular topic. But once they do, you know, it's amazing because I've done this for 20 some years. You really see these aha moments and you can see what a difference it can make in terms of giving you a competitive advantage. Um, as I say, today's insights are tomorrow's facts. What I mean by that, many of the things we have in our world today, at one point were an insight that someone had that has now become a fact of life. The perfect example is look at our smartphones. It wasn't that long ago. You and I didn't grow up. I don't want to date us, David, but we didn't grow up with smartphones. But now they're a daily part of our life, and uh, it's become a fact of life. Yeah, you're spot on on that. So you mentioned the three key components, <clears throat> differentiation, innovation, and loyalty. I want to talk a little bit about creating loyalty. Uh, some folks are obviously brand loyal when it comes to a particular product or service, and others maybe not so much. What does it take for a company to really create that hardcore loyalty among consumers? Well, the first thing is you need to know what it is you're going to be stand for as a brand. So you need to know, you know, what are the things you're going to stand for? What are you going to do and what are you not going to do? And then you need to start communicating effectively. The thing is, nowadays, I would argue that people are no longer buying products. They're actually buying experiences. So the good news is you have many opportunities to differentiate from not just at the product level or price or features, but also the whole experience. And if you can really differentiate that, but to do that, you really understand what kind of experience would make it different for consumers and how you could stand out? And that's where those insights, again, come back to play. But I think the opportunity is there for many brands to really build loyalty by really tapping into these uh, minds of the consumer and then creating a total experience from the time someone hears about your product to purchase and even post-purchase. Yeah, talk a little bit about that. Let's talk about the brand experience and, and how to create it. Because you mentioned it, it's kind of a continuum across the life cycle from, it sounds like, the first interaction all the way through you know, post-consumption. How do we go through that process, Darshan? Well, first, that's where you need to talk to your consumers and find out the process they go through, right? For example, how did they first hear about your product? You know, and who are the gatekeepers where they found that out? Who are the influencers? 
for example, when uh, people are purchasing cars, you know, often the salespeople talk to the man, but now they've learned after many, many years that the real key influencer is actually the woman uh, in many cases in terms of the features, the colors. So you need to understand all the different uh, players that are going to be involved in the decision-making. And that's going to help you better understand what are the key features and benefits you need to emphasize and include in your communication uh, all throughout the purchase cycle. Yeah, and bad experiences are something that I think are probably most prevalent. I may be wrong on that, but that was just my instinct because those are the ones where people get, I'll call it engaged in, in air quotes here, uh, to uh, to voice their concerns and, and voice their strong opinions about how the experience was less than what they expected. Uh, how, how do companies overcome that? Well, you know, I often actually tell clients that a bad experience and someone who vocalizes it is actually an opportunity waiting to be tapped into. And what do I mean by that? Usually for someone to take the time and effort to write about a bad experience is often looking for a proper response. And look, consumers understand sometimes things just go wrong. And the best thing is just own up to it. The worst thing to do is not to respond at all. And the best way to do it is that if they actually are correct, say, you know, you're right. And we're going to take a look at this and we're going to fix it. And I wish you'd come back and here, here's a credit or here's what we're going to do for you to come back next time. And I can tell you often, if you do fix the problem, if it's correct, you will get a super fan. And it's not easy to get super fans, but if you can convert someone who's giving you a complaint, address your complaint, of course, if it's a valid complaint, then you're going to end up being probably a super fan. Interesting. Darshan, I always like it when my guests offer practical advice to the audience. So can you give us just a, a couple of ideas on what companies can do to better their customer experiences? Well, first of all, I think sometimes owners should actually go through the customer experience themselves, you know, become a purchaser of your product and service and see what you encounter, you know, do some blind shopping. And if you can't do it because you're very prominent, well-known, then have someone else do it. And you'll learn a lot by doing that. But if you don't want to do that, the main thing is talk to your consumers, talk to the ones that have purchased, but also talk to the ones that maybe decided not to. And you'll learn a lot from those conversations. And again, don't use that as an opportunity to sell. Use that opportunity to learn and listen. And you'll find that there are going to be opportunities. And the good thing is, you know, people actually want to give you feedback because they actually value that you're interested in their thoughts and their opinions. And that often can even turn them around and making a poor decision in your favor because they feel like now they have someone who has a vested interest in listening to their concerns and their pain points. Yeah, Darshan, for folks who are watching and listening, how can they get in contact with you if they want to learn more or work with you? Probably the best way is just give me a direct email at dm at iresearch.com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, obviously uh, if you find my book on Amazon, Getting to AHA, uh, there's plenty of opportunities in there to connect with me. Great. And that's a good segue. We're going to talk about your book, but we're going to have to take a quick commercial break here. So Darshan, sit tight. Don't go anywhere. You watching and listening at home. We'll be right back on Behind the Numbers after this quick break. The crispy bacon on the turkey BLT, the endless layers of flavor of the buffalo chicken salad, or is it a secret handshake? Nah. At Wawa, there's a club for everyone. Find yours today. We ride for those who died. The Police Unity Tour and RVN Television is bringing to you a show called On Your Honor, Straight Talk. And I'm your host, Patrick Monturi. I am a retired police chief from Florham Park, New Jersey, 
and I am also retired from the National Law Enforcement Officers Memorial in Washington, D.C. I am currently, for the last 27 years, the CEO and founder of the Police Unity Tour. And this show will bring to you straight talk about law enforcement, the actions and heroism that is provided to you, the citizens of the United States, as well as their actions in falling in the line of duty, as we can see some of the stories that surround that. Again, please watch us on RVN Television and be safe, take care. At Jersey Mike's, they slice your order fresh right in front of you. And let me tell you, watching that can send a rush of emotions through a person. Excitement, impatience, baby-like wonder, indecisive, anticipatory chewing, nervous pacing, happy claps, and finally, jealousy. Because that's this guy's sub. I should order one. Good idea. Sliced right in front of you. It's a Jersey Mike's thing. A sub above. What makes a Wawa Club? And welcome back to Behind the Numbers. I'm Dave Bookbinder, and today we're talking with Darshan Mehta, who's the founder of iResearch and author of Getting to AHA, Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts. Hey, Darshan, welcome back to round two here on Behind the Numbers. Glad to be back. Yeah, I want to talk about the book, Getting to AHA, Today's Insights Are Tomorrow's Facts. You've said the second part of that several times uh, during the program here, and we're going to explore that. But before we do, tell the audience a little bit about what the book is about, what inspired you to write it. Well, I've been doing uh, market research and branding for over 20 years, and I found a lot of consistency even among different industries that I was hearing. And one of the nice things about when you do research, and especially actually qualitative, is I feel, you know, you, you get like a, a plug into the jet stream of society. You kind of know the ebbs and flows and how things go. And I was thinking about it. So how did I get to get that kind of feeling and that sense? And that's because there's really insights all around us. And a lot of it is just really tapping into and having conversations with your audiences to dig deeper and to uncover those insights. And in today's world, you know, we have lots of metrics um, from social media, digital world, digital marketing, everything. And that's great. The only thing is that tells you what people have done or have are doing. It still still doesn't get you the underlying motivators and triggers. It also doesn't tell you their pain points that they might be still having and wishing they might have had a better solution. And so that's where I, I'm a big proponent of doing qualitative conversations, in-depth interviews, focus groups. We actually can get behind uh, and, and really dig deeper to get more context beyond even the numbers that you're getting now. Yeah, I love it that you're saying you've got to get behind the numbers to really understand what's going on there. Um, it, it really dovetails nicely with the, with the program, obviously. So I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you, what were some of the key aha moments that you've uncovered? I'll give you one example. We did a, a, a project for a retailer, small uh, children's clothing retailer, and they were looking to increase their business and it just kind of stagnant. And so we interviewed uh, a lot of customers and they were opening up at uh, 10 o'clock. But we found out that a lot of the early morning customers would drop their kids off and go to the nearby bagel store at around 8.30, 9 o'clock. And uh, sometimes they didn't want to wait an entire hour to go to the store. So they'd end up being distracted and leaving. And they, it was a simple suggestion, right? Open up a half an hour earlier, 9.30. And 
that came out of a focus group and just having discussions and pointing out people's lifestyle and the way they uh, manage their schedule. Within two weeks, that bit of information and change in hours more than paid for the research and increased his sales tremendously. Interesting. Maybe you can share one other story with us if you don't mind. Maybe something where we, you can kind of articulate where quantitative data might indicate one thing, but when you went behind the numbers, you learned a, another aha. Well, one was uh, working for a sports uh, uh, soccer team, and they were looking to, to redo the logo, and they had a bit of a quandary because uh, a lot of their super fans were getting older, and you know they were diminishing in numbers, but some of their younger fans uh, who could have the potential to become super fans were not completely thrilled with the current logo and the look and feel they want to change. And so it was a bit of a quandary, and they tried to do that with surveys, and it just wasn't getting what they needed. So we did a series of focus groups, and as a result of the feedback and information, they actually came up with a better loyalty program, but also they were able to just tweak the logo enough to give it a new, fresh look and feel without alienating the loyal fans for many years, but also appealing to the younger, newer fans that were looking to be a bit more modernized. And that could have only come, really, from having conversations with the super fans, the soon-to-be super fans, and the ones that are in the wings that could even get to the level of, you know, season ticket holders and things like that. Yeah. And and we, we talked about the subconscious driving consumption and we talked about brands and experiences, but what other connections are there between kind of the human nature aspect uh, in our purchase decisions? What other things should companies be looking for or tapping into in, in really maximizing their branding? Well, I think part of it is just a mindset, to be honest with you. If you really think about what is a brand, a brand is basically bringing alive something that never existed at one point, but it's a creation of a company or an idea that's come into a brand. But those brands need a personality. They need attributes that people can hang certain adjectives on. And so you as a creator of the brand or manager of the brand need to decide what adjectives, what attributes do you really want to be associated with? And then once you know that internally, then you start developing the communication strategies and everything to go around that. And that takes time, but eventually it works. I'll give you an example. If I was to ask you uh, to think of a car, and I said the word safety, which brand comes to your mind immediately? Volvo. Right. That didn't happen overnight. That happened over a long, long, long time. Right. And it's yourself. Now, Volvo's looking to change their image to be even more luxurious because the factor of safety is not that unique anymore as it used to be because all safety levels of cars have increased tremendously. And so what you're ultimately fighting for is a mind share of the consumer. And the good news is there's many ways to still do it, especially, as I said, with enhancing the total experience. Uh, the bad news is it's continually a, a competitive environment. More and more people are doing this and getting more sophisticated. But I can assure you, if you continue to have conversations with your customers, you will always have a bit of a head start and a leg up on your competition. And also keep in mind, you should be your biggest competitor because you really can't control anybody else, but you can control what you do or don't do and what products you offer or don't offer. And that's where you still need to have that ongoing pulse and knowledge and an in-depth understanding of your consumers so that you can change, innovate, differentiate, and adapt so that you can continue to build loyalty. 
Yeah, it's interesting when you talk about keeping your finger on the pulse of the consumer. How often does consumer sentiment shift? You know, there's no magic number. For example, if you had asked me in uh, 2019, December 2019, I would have given you X number of attributes and so on. But then here comes COVID, changes everything, right? And, And since then, things have changed quite a bit. So there's no magic number. All I can say is, it's always changing, evolving, and adapting. Um, so you need to have a pulse on it. And the, the more you do it on a regular basis, you will get to that sensation that I had, which is where you feel like you have a kind of a, a plug into the jet stream of maybe not only a consumer, but even some of the societal ebbs and flows that are happening on a larger level. Gotcha. Darshan, can we talk a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey, how you got started in business and, and how you went down this path to lead to uh, these various discoveries? I was uh, born in India and I came to the U.S. when I was four years old. And my mom always had a desire to have her child grow up in the U.S. And I, I had a father who was very entrepreneurial. And so when I was in college, I really enjoyed doing case studies. I like kind of ferreting through all the noise and, and getting to the heart of what was really causing the problem. And from that, I went into consulting and uh, I just really enjoyed it. I like working on different projects. Um, I realized I don't really mind problems. I just love solutions. And so that's what's always kind of driven me. And as a result, I've, you know, had my own practice with consulting, uh, starting a SaaS platform. And now I'm actually even uh, dipping my toes in the F&B industry with uh, food and beverage. Gotcha. And for folks who want to learn more about you, Darshan, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Uh, you can send me an email at DM at iResearch or connect with me on LinkedIn or uh, connect uh, with my book or my podcast, also called Getting to Aha. And where can we get that? Any, anywhere uh, folks normally would stream their podcast? Yeah, it's on uh, Apple uh, Podcasts as well as Spotify. And again, it's called Getting to Aha. Getting to Aha. Very good. And uh, Darshan, we're down to the short strokes here. I only have a few minutes remaining here, but I I want you to look into your crystal ball for us and tell us what's down the road here. What's next for both iResearch and and what's next in terms of uh, innovation in the marketing and branding space? I think people are going to, brands are going to get even closer and closer to their customers. I mean, a lot has already changed the last few years with the amount of information that's available from reviews to being able to, you know, survey online. But I think it's going to happen even more so because it's going to become more and more critical to have a deeper understanding of your consumer because things are not getting less competitive. If anything, they're getting even more competitive. But also the game is, uh, the bar is being raised. Uh, more and more companies are realizing, more brands are realizing that, hey, they're concentrating on the total experience. But the good news is there's always going to be ways to differentiate and always going to be ways to innovate. So uh, I wouldn't be uh, you know timid on that, but... I think, one, you have to start somewhere, but the main thing is is stick with it and be consistent. Uh, And that's what's going to ultimately keep you in the forefront of innovation differentiation. Great. Well, Darshan, I can't thank you enough for joining us today on Behind the Numbers. Hey, thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. We've been talking today with Darshan Mehta, who is the founder of iResearch. And also check out his book, Getting to AHA, Today's Insights or Tomorrow's Facts. And again, my name is Dave Bookbinder, and I'm the one that my clients turn to when they want to know what their most important assets are worth. You can find me on LinkedIn. Feel free to reach out. I'm always happy to have a conversation. I want to thank the folks in the production booth here for making this show as good as it always is. And thank you for watching and listening because we can't do the program without you. 
Uh, please be sure to hit that subscribe button. Stay in touch that, with all that we're up to. We typically drop a new episode every week. And that's all we have for today, folks. We'll catch you next time on Behind the Numbers. Take care.